the love and the, and with all the family. So thank you so much for that. Amen. Bless you. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like to read from chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. Let's read. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus, a Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for men and women of God that can walk in your mysteries. That, Father God, you can make known to us through your power, through your anointing, that we will know what you've called us each one to do and to be partakers of. And so, Father God, I just pray that even as we listen to your word this morning, that you would empower each one, that you would give us revelation, that you would give us unction through your spirit for our guidance, that we may, wherever we walk, just be part of the growth of your kingdom. We pray and ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Having been traveled the North Shore of Lake Superior probably about seven times, living in Dorian, we often had to make the arduous journey, even in winter, spring, and summer, to come down to Toronto to do all sorts of immigration-type issues, whether it be writing English tests and rewriting English tests, getting medicals done, all of these things that you need to do for immigration. You know, that's, you know when it comes to crossing the T's and dotting the I's in life, you've got to do the paperwork. Paperwork is arduous, but it has to be filled out, doesn't it? But sometimes, while you're having to do these things, God takes you on a journey. You go on this drive, and the family goes together, and you drive through places on the North Shore that are spectacular. And we get a, a revelation that God's creation is truly beautiful. And almost sometimes when you're driving around every bend in the road, you see something new on the horizon. Whether it be a, a lighthouse, whether it be some abandoned home, whether it be where, where once upon a time you know that somebody poured their life into this dream, and in your heart you know 
if only that place could tell us the story of what happened here. What is the testimony? What is the mystery behind this place? Each one of you has a story to tell. Book of Revelations, chapter 12. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony, that you shrink not back from death, that you will overcome him who is in the world. So I know every single one of you has a story to tell. Even as we pray for the Rima family for a part of their journey going forward. I know my family's had a journey here in Canada over the last seven years. And I know you've had a journey. We have health journeys. But sometimes, just sometimes, I think God through the Holy Spirit asks us to push pause and look around and be amazed at what you might see might hear what you might be partakers of. This week, in preparation of this uh, message, I looked up this, there was this book written a good couple of years back called The Secret. It was a treasure hunt by uh, Price. And what happens, he decided he was going to go around 12 different places in North America and he was going to hide different um, treasures around, a little bit like geocaching, But here you had to buy the book and you had to solve the mystery of both the poems and and the pictures and you could go and find the treasures. Up until now, out of the 12 treasures that he's hidden away, three have been found. How many of you like to go on a treasure hunt? Right? How many of you would like to find a treasure? In South Africa... In, in the 90s, South Africa went through a bit of a, a, a fever pitch of looking for the Kruger millions. How, how many of you have ever heard of the Kruger coin? It's a gold coin. If you're a collector of gold coins, Kruger coins are one of those collector items. You know, it's an ounce of gold or a half ounce. But there's this gold But you see, once upon a time, there was this war in South Africa called the Boer War, the Anglo-Boer War. And you know, Canada sent soldiers to go and fight in the Anglo-Boer War. Did you know that? See, you've learned something today. There's a story you haven't heard. But before the World War I, Canadian armed forces went to go and help the British forces in South Africa fighting the Boer farmers. And during this time... Paul Kruger had a whole lot of gold. There was this hoard of gold that he was trying to hide away from the British Empire. Because the British Empire weren't really interested in in the the Boer farmers at that stage until they managed to find gold in the then Transvaal. And you know what happens when gold is found in, in large quantities? What happens to governments around the world when they suddenly say, oh, there's gold to be found? It's amazing what people will do to own those gold rights. According to myth, about two million pounds in buried gold is hidden somewhere in the Blader River Valley. That's equivalent to about 500 million US dollars. How many of you would like to find gold worth 500 million dollars? Half a billion dollars worth of gold. So do you think there are a few people out there looking for this gold. 
And anyway, that was, that the skull was put on this train, and it was, it was, it was take, going down to the ports. They wanted to send it to Europe, and they wanted to raise funds to go and get armaments to supply the Boer side with armaments. But anyway, apparently this gold just disappeared. So between those three years, so everybody now is like quite anxious to find half a billion dollars worth of gold. It's amazing. And while you think of that, in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Interesting. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure Hidden in a field. Have you ever thought about what this might mean about the kingdom of God? Here we're learning in the Gospels that the kingdom of God is a treasure. And everybody that's sitting here this morning has the treasure map. But it says it needs, it's, it needs to be hidden again. And it needs to be the field in which... The treasure is buried, needs to be bought. So once upon a time, I know the first time I ever gave my heart to the Lord on hearing the testimony of Jesus dying on the cross for my sins. I can remember, it was 1981. It was my last year of elementary school. It was a grade 7. And I went to this, uh, after, on a Friday afternoon, there was this little lady speaking the gospel and she was using flannel graph. How many of you remember flannel, flannel graph? Anybody? Oh, yes, yes. Flannel graph. I had a flannel graph story. And, and in those days, that was pretty like that was pretty neat, right? Not so much today when you've got all this data projection. And, but anyway, I was pretty impressed that Jesus died for my sins. And I walked away and said, Lord, here am I. I give you my heart. But I never knew that there was a treasure that I needed to sell everything I have in pursuit of this one treasure, this kingdom of God. And so I know it's easy to give your heart to Jesus. It's another thing to say, Lord, your kingdom is what I need with every fiber of my being. And I am going to forgo everything in my life in pursuit of your kingdom. Because I know your kingdom is the treasure of all things. It's the treasure of eternity future. Lord, to be in your presence, there's no better place to be. And so in this journey of life, we begin unearthing, as we spend time in the Word, as we spend time in prayer, in worship, in songs, in times of praying for one another, so we begin unearthing spiritual treasures. When you find a good Christian home to spend time together, where, where even we at Graphite, we have small groups where you can go and attend and you can share and learn about the spiritual disciplines, learn what it means to be a Christian. And as we do these things, as we engage with the things of God, we are putting the world aside and we are endeavoring to dig up this kingdom treasure. 
And as we dig up this treasure, something happens. The word of God becomes more profound. It becomes more meaningful. We begin to see how God interacts on our behalf in the world. In my testimony, I've got countless ways where God has blessed me, blessed my family, Timothy has had miracles upon miracles where even his doctors have said in their short lifetime as doctors have said this is the first supernatural miracle I've seen in my life and they weren't even Christians. God has done amazing things. Just listening to somebody yesterday tell it, just reflect on a story he was going um, skydiving and while he was skydiving the parachute didn't open up. But he was with two other flight instructors and they came back and they hit his, his backpack on the, for his parachute to open up and eventually opened up and he got down. But he was t too terrified to go up again. But he was trying to speak to people about how to overcome their fears. <laughs> and so he knew he had to go back but he was terrified to go up again. And so what he did, he phoned a Christian friend in England, London, England, to pray for him. And as the friend prayed for him, he said, God loves you and God will take care of you. Just a short prayer. And so as he was crossing over the road from having made this phone call, a young man came out of the middle of nowhere and says, Jesus loves you. He's going to look after you. And he was taken aback by that, turned around and looked back, and the young boy was gone. Just disappeared. And he says, he felt like in his... He knows that he knows that he knows that he saw an angel because there was no place for that young boy to disappear. So he knows for him that was a supernatural moment. But that week he went on to go and make another 40 jumps. And he just knows that God did something in his life that week that just transformed everything. Because God is a treasure worth finding, pursuing, Giving everything you have to take hold of God and say, Lord, here am I. Many people in the Bible say, Lord, what shall I do? The rich young ruler says, Jesus says, sell everything you have and come and follow me. Because everything in the world will be a hindrance to you spending time with God. Whether it be a computer game that's more interesting than spending time with God. Whether it be your garden, whatever it is that hinders you. From looking and finding God is a hindrance. So as we look at the book of Ephesians, Paul is speaking about something in his own life. God has revealed a great mystery to him. Something that he, never, he was never expecting. And says, for this reason I, Paul, listen to his words, a prisoner for King Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Paul is, considers himself a prisoner to this treasure. He wants to be a prisoner to the word of God. He doesn't want to leave it. He sells everything again and he holds on to everything that Christ is. Isn't that an interesting thought? I'm a prisoner to the gospel. Most people in our modern world, we don't want to be a prisoner to anybody. We want freedom, don't we? We think this freedom, you know, I can do anything I choose. Whatever I want, I can do. But Paul says, once upon a time, 
He was a man who was zealous for the things of God. He persecuted Christians, the Jewish believers. But then all of a sudden, God comes along and takes Paul and turns him around. Gives him a, a, a revelation of the mystery. He has a meeting with God and God says, I want to show you something. And Paul said, I'm assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I've written briefly. Paul is now understanding that he is a steward of God's grace. Do you know this morning as a pastor standing before you, I'm merely a steward of God's grace. For those of you who may have heard my last name, my last name is Lord. It's a very interesting name. It's given Shannon lots of entertainment since getting married to me. You know, whether it be an act of God insurance claim, but she can tell that story. That's her story to tell. But you know the original where that Lord surname came from is when the knights went off to go and fight wars in the Middle Ages. One knight would stay behind and would be the steward of the kingdom. You couldn't have all the men going off to war and have no one left behind looking after. And so you, they would become the stewards of the county, of the king, of the duke or whoever's land. And so you were the person who spoke with authority on behalf of the king who was out doing the battles and the wars of the time. And so I know, even I know, every day of my life, I know I'm a steward of God's grace. And you know, as I have this understanding of being a steward of God's grace, can I tell you something about you? If you are a believer, you, family, are a steward of God's grace. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter your age. Doesn't, your intelligence doesn't matter. Your IQ, it doesn't matter. You are a steward of God's grace. Tomorrow you don't know who you'll bump into. You don't know who you'll have a conversation with. You can be somebody's guardian angel tomorrow instead of saying, you know, I just want to tell you that God loves you. And God has a plan for your life. And to the person you sell it, you will be that guardian angel. You'll be that miracle that you never expected to believe. And one day when you get to heaven, God's going to show you all these things and you're going to marvel at what God has done. You see, once upon a time, when Paul was writing this, this was the temple. In that temple, that outer court, the outer thing, if you were a Gentile, you could go into that outer court, no problem. But those little golden gates... You couldn't enter into there. Jewish woman could enter. That was the courts of woman. The woman could go in there. Testing one, two. I think the battery might be going. And so even the ladies couldn't go into the next phase of that temple. And even the men couldn't go into the next phase. And the largest dome at the back that was the holy place and only one man could enter into that place the priest the high priest and we know when Jesus died on the cross when even when John the Baptist baptized Jesus
up until that moment, every year, the high priest had to go into that place and present blood on the mercy seat for the redemption of mankind. But 2,000 years ago, when Jesus did this, he did it once and for all. And so the Jewish people thought they were the people of, of, of the covenant they were in. So Paul says, we are, the, we are God's trustees for men. To each of us is given some spiritual phase of truth which we must pass on to others by the force of our character or by the teaching of our lips. It was given Paul to make known the great truth that Gentiles might enter the church of God on equal term to God uh, as Jews. So Paul, who grows up thinking that he's stewardship and his role was to serve the Jewish people suddenly gets upended and he suddenly finds that he is now bringing God's grace and mercy and redemption not to the Jewish people but to the Gentiles. The Gentiles who didn't even know that there was a possible way for them to enter into God's kingdom. Peter and Cornelius in Acts 10, we have God speaking, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. In other words, what Jesus did at the mercy seat in the redemption of mankind, even you and I, when we're walking down the street and we saw, see the person who's struggling with addiction, that person struggling with addiction might not know that his sins have been paid for in full. But you are the steward of God's grace in that moment. That person who doesn't know that salvation is a free gift that's been given to them. Even to know that somebody loves them when the average person who's struggling with addiction hates themselves. Young people today struggling with what they see in the mirror, not liking what they see. I'm not tall enough, I'm not pretty enough, my hair is the wrong color, everything. We have this fight with our identity at all times. And yet Jesus says, I know you. I know what I created you to be. You see, there was this temple. And all of a sudden, this secret door has been revealed. That God had a plan to redeem the whole of mankind to himself. And once you've had this revelation, in 1981, when I was told about Jesus dying for my sins, that I could join him in heaven one day, that I could love him, serve him, I didn't fully comprehend what that meant. In fact, it took me 15 years before I even started doing anything for God. But I've learned this. If you want to grow in the things of God, serve God and you will grow. And so you sell everything you have. You put off all your dreams and your visions. Say, Lord, I'm going to put my dreams and visions aside. Just like Paul, I'm going to put my dreams and visions aside as to who I think I am. I said, Lord, I'm going to ask you to direct my footsteps. I want you to lead me to the people I need to serve. Lead me to the people you want me to be a blessing to. And so as you f find this escape tunnel to God's truth, like Paul 
who once upon a time didn't understand his calling, now understands he's been called to Gentiles. Without the ministry of Paul, you and I wouldn't be sitting here probably this morning. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Wow. You see, this wasn't a revelation. People didn't know this was going to come about. And all of a sudden, that which we thought we knew takes a twist. And all of a sudden, that which was impossible, it was impossible for any man to enter into the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus died on that cross, that curtain was torn. It was opened up. And every single person sitting here this morning has put their faith in Christ and his resurrection, has free access into the Holy of Holies at any time. And isn't that amazing? There's this amazing mystery that has been given to you and I. And as we grow in our relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit reveals more of himself to you about your family, about your loved ones, about your neighbors. And God gives us the capacity to love others that perhaps we never had before. When I was that 11-year-old boy, I was a broken little boy. I was coming from a divorced family. My life was confused. I didn't know where my life was. But I know 15 years later when I started serving God, God started putting my life back together. It's like gluing me back together. And I'm not saying I'm, I've arrived yet. God's still having to take some things out of my life and replace it with other things. But I will know what God has revealed to me through his Holy Spirit has been to me the greatest blessing, the greatest treasure of my life. This mystery that is the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promised in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which is given me by the working of his power. Every person sitting here this morning has the gift of God's grace. You've tasted it. We walk in it. Sometimes I think we forget about it in, in our daily strivings to put fuel in the car or go to work. We, we, the dust of the world, the things of the world just sort of bow us down and, and we tend to forget that at each and every moment God's grace is upon us for wonderful, amazing things. God's got a plan to prosper you for eternity. Not just for today, but for eternity. And the gold of man means nothing. You might find the Kruger millions, but the streets of heaven are paved with gold. The gold of man is meaningless. But the grace of God is riches untold. And so as we mine scriptures, the gold of the Spirit knows no end. And God wants to take you on a journey. A journey of excitement. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We're going to do this life together. No matter how lonely you feel, God is with you. What a precious gift. What an amazing thing. See, growing up, I always wanted to find that secret room in my home. 
I, you know, just a place to go. You know, you go into that cupboard and you close it behind you and you've got your secret space. You know? How many movies have we seen where the young man goes in his room on the outside and says, top secret, keep out. I know what's happening behind those closed doors. So I always said to my daughter, I'm coming there to do a room inspection. I know what you guys are just trying to not make your beds and stuff. No. But the secret room, you've been invited into the holies of holies. And the only reason it is secret is because you don't choose to access it. So there's many secrets God wants to share with you. But it's our choice to enter, to find him and seek after the things of God. You see, Paul goes from being a general in the Jewish community, being at war with Christianity, to claiming Roman citizenship, claiming that Israel's one to God has done the same about shift, that God has been not just the chosen people, but now God has chosen everyone. And on the Damascus road, Saul becomes Paul, meets with God. And he starts his ministry on that road and God changes his life forever. And his life that has been changed changes your and my life. He goes to, on to be imprisoned and that's why we've got these letters. Because while he was in prison, he writes these letters. How many of you want to be in prison? None of us. But can you imagine that in 2,000 years time, people are writing about your time in jail from your letters? Which is the greater treasure that 2,000 years from now, your, the works that God gets you to do is still spoken about. Wow, that's amazing. Even his eventual death, the death of all the apostles, speaks to God's miraculous touch in each person's life. The victory that was won on the cross must be implemented through the cross. In all things, the cross is magnificent. It's the greatest treasure. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of God. Isaiah 62 verse 3. You know, God sees you as a crown. And when you think of crown, crown also speaks of authority. If you're wearing a crown, that means you have some sort of status in God's kingdom. You're not a lowborn. You're not a servant. You're not a nobody. You carry authority. And because you are Christ, you walk in his authority. As Shannon speaks in the authority of my name, so you and I speak in the authority of Christ's name. Because we are his. We are betrothed to him. It's an amazing thing. But when we serve God, you will walk in the supernatural. You will see amazing things. But above all things, you'll know that God loves you more than life itself. And there's nothing he won't sacrifice for you. But God won't be manipulated. God wants us to love God on his terms. A free heart. With everything we've got. Sell everything you have and follow me, Jesus says. Where I go, you will go. And you'll be blessed beyond measure. So as the week ahead, we, we invite each one of you to actively seek to unearth spiritual treasure. Spend time in small groups. Spend time 
getting together with people of faith and pray together. Seek people out where you can have spiritual conversations. You'll be amazed at what God might do. And whether it be playing games, whether the ladies come into on a Tuesday to play games together and just having fellowship, you'll be surprised at what God will do. This coming weekend when we have the men's potluck, many men probably never go to church. But just the capacity to reach out to your neighbor, what a blessing it is to be able to serve God in our community. What a privilege. I'm going to invite the young guys up to, as we close in prayer. This is the day that the God has given each one of us. What a privilege it is to serve God every day of our lives. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for a beautiful day. The snow on the ground and even as people begin to get on their snowmobiles and go out about exploring the world about them. Father God, I pray for each one listening to this message this morning, whether it be online or sitting here this morning, that God, you would just guide us Give us many stories to tell of your goodness in our lives and our families. And so, Father, we just thank you that your spirit would indwell us, that you would just help us to be a blessing to our community and all the ministries that are happening in this area. Father God, we pray for them as well. From the switchyard to Graphite Bible Camp to Joy Bible Camp to the Pregnancy Care Center to the Warming Center to all these things, Father God. We just pray that you would make your name known in all the world through your children. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.